0: It's certainly a uh, blessing to know that God knows what we need. Let's turn to Psalm chapter 51, and uh, at this time, I'd like to begin reading at verse 1. Have mercy upon me, O God, according to thy loving kindness, according to the multitude of thy tender mercies, blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from mine iniquity. Cleanse me from my sin, for I acknowledge my transgressions, and my sin is ever before me. Against thee, the only, have I sinned and done this evil in thy sight, that thou mightest be justified when thou speakest, and be clear when thou judgest. Behold... I was shapen in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. Behold, thou desirest truth in the inward parts, and in the hidden part thou shalt make me to know wisdom. Perch me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. Make me to hear joy and gladness, that the bones which thou hast broken may rejoice. Hide thy face from my sins and blot out all my iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from thy presence and take not thy Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of my salvation and uphold me with thy free spirit. Then will I teach transgressors thy ways and sinners shall be converted unto thee. Let's pray. Our Father, we ask you now as we go into the word of god to take us into this message and through this message lord in a way that it will meet the needs and we ask you lord to take us one sermon at a time to yourself in christ's name we pray amen thank you and you can be seated Have you ever seen that commercial on television? I fall in and I can't get up. Usually when I mention that there's a little ripple of laughter because that's a terribly done commercial. Now it is a terribly done commercial, but the reality is if somebody does fall and they cannot get up, it's not a very funny thing. It's not a laughing matter. And there are a lot of times that the devil trips us up or we fall We could call it into sin when really technically we choose to sin, but we could talk about falling, having a failure, falling away. The Bible talks about backsliding and basically anytime we get into sin, when it's done, it's not very fun when we're defeated by sin. And sometimes people that fall have a very difficult time getting back up and going and on their feet. Now in this passage, David, wrote psalm 51 after he had fallen in some pretty big ways he committed adultery that's a big one wouldn't you say and then he committed murder and most people's estimation that's even bigger so he had done some pretty serious sins but you know the good thing is that god has made a way and it's not just talk But God has made a way that no matter what we are doing, no matter what we've done, no matter how bad we've been, God has made a way for us to get up and get going again. And in this passage, it talks about to get back up after we fall, and there are some insights here that might help us with things that we struggle with. I'm going to preach on it from this perspective. There are reasons we have a hard time getting back up And what I want to show us is how to get up in spite of these things that might hold us down. Now, one reason that people have a hard time getting back up after they fall or we have a hard time after we fall is we get discouraged by our character or they get discouraged by their character. And the idea is I'm supposed to be doing so well. How could I ever have done this? Now, in this, David said in Psalm 51, the reason that he did what he did in verse 5 is because he had a sin nature and he let it take control. And in verse 5, he said, look, that's what the word behold means. Behold, I was shapen in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. Now, what he is referring to being shapen in iniquity is he's saying inside my mom's womb when I was being formed, and I got this real pretty face, I got a very ugly heart. And he's saying that though I might look good on the outside, I'm pretty rotten on the inside, and there's something inside of me that draws me to naturally do the wrong thing. Even if I want to be doing the right thing, I tend to want to do the wrong thing even more. And now what he was referring to is his sin nature. Now sin nature is that evil thing inside every one of us That is drawn to sin, drawn to anger, drawn to do things we shouldn't do. Now, who has a sin nature? Everybody's got one, including me as a preacher. But as we have a sin nature, if we're not careful, if the conditions are right, or if we let our guard down, it's going to take us out and it's going to get us into failure. Now, John himself is called the apostle of love. And the Apostle of Love, John, wrote 1 John 1, 9. And the thing I like about it is the pronoun that he used. John said, if we confess our sins. He didn't say, if you confess your sins, you weak Christians. He said, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And even the apostle John was saying, "Hey, I've got a sin nature." In one John one eight, in one John one ten, it says, "If we say that we don't have this sin nature, we deceive ourselves, and we're liars." Now, no time until we get to heaven are we ever going to get it so good that we never get a pull towards sin? And the devil knows. What our natural sin is that we would naturally be pulled to, and so he always tries to bring that up and get us to fall. It's a sin nature, and we let it take control. Now, I'm not excusing the sin nature, and I'm not excusing when people sin. But sometimes when people sin, they get discouraged, and they say, well, what's the use of even trying? I guess I just don't have it in me to do what's right. How could I ever have done this? I'm a loser. I'm a loser. I'm a loser. Well, the Bible says that we are going to the sin nature and we need to learn that if we do sin, we have to shake the devil off, get back up and get back in the saddle and get going again. The Bible says the just man falls seven times, but he riseth up again. How many of you have ever taken a bath in your lifetime? Would you raise your hand? All right, if you haven't taken one, the guy sitting next to you knows it. Now, how many of you have ever at least taken two baths in your lifetime? All right, everybody has. But the question is, well, why did you take a second bath? The first one didn't last. So what's the use? Because you know this bath isn't going to last. Well, obviously, we have to have times when we have to take a physical bath. And most likely, we're going to have times we have to take a spiritual bath. But the good news is, just as I mentioned last night, soap and water can clean dirt off the hands. Laundry detergent can clean the dirt off the clothing. Dish detergent off of the dishes. And the blood of Jesus Christ will clean the sin no matter how big the stain. And so the blood of Christ will cleanse you. So you have to get back up and get going again. Now, when you get discouraged, you're done if you just stay discouraged. You've got to get up and get going again. I can remember when I was at a pastor's home, and that pastor's son did something bad, and he was in trouble, so he got a spanking. And I personally wish that I could have given him the spanking. But I can remember after he got the spanking, he came out in the room, and he looks at us, and he says, I'm a jerk. And then he went to the hall that was leading up to the bedroom, and he goes, I'm a jerk, because he had done a bad thing in front of the evangelist. And I heard him as he went up the steps, and he went up to the top of the steps, and he goes again, I'm a jerk. And he threw himself on the bed and proceeded to just bawl his heart out. Now, I felt for the kid, and though I realized what he did was extremely bad and extremely embarrassing for him and his dad in front of the evangelist, though I'm nobody special, he kind of felt that. It was embarrassing. The thing is, I have felt like that, boy, I am a preacher. I should have my act together. I preached on people all the time about never getting angry, and then sometimes, not very often because I'm almost perfect, sometimes I will get angry still. And when it's done, I feel like a literal loser. But the fact is, Until the day we die, we're going to struggle with things, and we don't excuse it for one second. We never sin because we have to. We sin because we choose to, as we talked about last night. Has anybody been thinking about that today? Have you? Because when you're tempted, the devil's going to say you have to. That's just the way you are. But the truth is, we don't have to. Sin shall not have dominion over you. You're not under the law, but under grace. But yet, if we sin, we still have to get up and get in the saddle because we've got a few more years to live on this earth. Now, if you're somebody who has fallen, yes, you fell. If you're entering this meeting and you're thinking about your anger, your sin, whatever it was that you've done, it was wrong. But you have to get up and get going again and get over the fact that you failed and get back at the fact that God will cleanse you from it if you come to him and get up and get going again. So if you fall, you've got to get back up or else your future is going to be a mess. Now, first of all, people have a hard time getting back up because they're discouraged by their character. Now, number two, people have a hard time getting back up when they fall because they're deceitful about their conduct. Now, what do I mean by that? Now, one extreme is, I just don't have the ability to live the Christian life. That's a lie. Now, you don't have the ability in yourself, but everybody has access to the Spirit of God who has enough ability to help every one of us live the right kind of life. So we can live the right life. So, but then, people then will never get up because then they go to this extreme well, I didn't really do anything wrong. Now, there are men that will have a porn problem and they'll say, hey, I'm a man. Yeah, you're a man that just chose to sin. All right, somebody says, well, I know that what I did was wrong, but I am addicted to beer, all right? You're a man who has chosen to drink the beer. And whatever your sin might be, you choose to do it. You don't have to do it. And when you kind of downplay it, then you never get up. All right, so one extreme is I am a loser. I just don't have the ability to do what's right. And this second point is I really didn't do anything that bad or I didn't do anything wrong. Now, 2 Samuel chapter 11, verse 2 through 4, David is on the roof, and he sees a woman taking a bath. There was no sin in accidentally seeing a woman taking a bath. The sin was he took a second look and a third look. and Then he started thinking things and letting those thoughts stay. And then he inquired, and then he took her into an immoral relationship. Now, when it was done, he knew that he had done it, but he covered it. And the way that he covered it was when she was with child, he had Uriah killed, he married her, and then he figured everybody was think that baby was born inside the boundaries of marriage. The problem was, God saw what he did, God sent the prophet Nathan and said, God knows what you did, and because of this, this is the consequence. Now, as long as David was trying to cover his sin, he wasn't recovering spiritually. Now, it is foolish for us to cover our sin. Now, I'll add this. The extent of the sin ought to be the extent of the confession. What I mean by that is if you sinned all by yourself and nobody knows but you and God, don't stand up and tell the whole country that you looked at something you shouldn't. Don't stand up and tell the whole world you just used a cuss word under your breath. You tell God and you get it right with God and then you go on so you don't ruin your testimony unless you do need some accountability but if you sinned and everybody knows that you were drinking beer again then you need to ask people publicly for forgiveness or everybody knows that you committed adultery you need to publicly do that if it's just you and two or three people you need to go to those people and the extent of the sin ought to be the extent of the confession because you've got to make things right with god and man but it is foolish for you to try to hide your sin because number one, you cannot hide your sin. Now, there are two people you can't hide your sin from ever, and I can't hide my sin from ever. I cannot hide it, and you cannot hide it from God. Psalm 51 and verse 4, he said, Against thee only have I sinned and done this evil in thy sight. Now, I'll guarantee you that there are people in this room that you did something you shouldn't have done this last week. And I'll guarantee you that when you did it, the devil said, okay, you got to make sure nobody sees you. So you go into a private place, or you go in with just a, a private situation, and you think that you're all alone, and then the sinful act is committed. Now, whatever that is in your private place, you got to remember when you think you're alone, you're not alone. The eyes of the Lord are in every place, and those eyes see everything. And he beholds the evil and the good. Now, hear me. The result of that is that God sees everything, and the result of that is that God who sees everything will hold you accountable if no man sees God holds you accountable. Now, it's foolish because you can't hide your sin from God, and number two, it's foolish because you cannot hide your sin from yourself. He said, when I kept silence, my bones waxed old all the day long. He said that the bones which thou hast broken may rejoice. Now, here's the question. Did God literally break David's bones? No. But what he's saying is the guilt was so bad. Why did I do this? Why did I do this? Why did I do this? That it was as if God had broken his bones. Have any of you ever experienced that kind of guilt? I've I've experienced guilt. And now here's what happens. When you try to hide your sin, it's foolish because, number one, you can't hide it against God and you can't hide it from yourself. But another reason it's foolish to try to cover sin is because the only way to get things right with God is to admit that you've sinned. It says, he that covereth his sin shall not prosper, but whoso confesseth and forsaketh shall have mercy. Now, in Psalm 53 and verse 1, David acknowledged his sin, and it says that God forgave him of his sin. Now, if you've fallen, you're not alone. How many people have a sin nature? Everybody. And so when we fall, we've got to learn how to get back up. And I think part of the Christian life is learning how to get back up if you fall. Now, sometimes people have a hard time getting back up because we're getting discouraged by our character. We think, man, I'm such a weak Christian. I just don't have it in me. You've got it in you because the Holy Spirit of God is strong enough to help every one of us who is a believer to live the Christian life. And it's not what we do. It's what he does. It's not what we're capable of doing. It's what he's capable of doing. And the devil says well you can't change and God says yes you can and so I'm not gonna believe the devil I'm gonna believe God I'm not even gonna believe my feelings I'm gonna believe God I'm not gonna go with what I think I'm gonna know what I know to be true from the Word of God and it says there's no temptation taking you that such as is common to man but God is faithful who will not allow you or suffer you to be tempted above that which you're able, but will with that temptation provide a way to escape that you may be able to bear it. You're not going to face more than you can handle. I don't care what your sin is. You can do what's right. And then he teaches that um, if we walk in the spirit, we will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. So then the second reason people have a hard time getting back up is that they are deceitful about their conduct. I didn't do anything wrong. Now, you've got to admit it when it's wrong because if you deny that it's wrong, you'll never recover. Now, what is sin? Sin would be any time God says, don't, and we do. Thou shalt not lie. Thou shalt not steal. Thou shalt not commit adultery. Sin would be any time God says, do, and we don't. Honor thy father and thy mother, etc. It says, forgive one another. And all the verses that tell us what we should do. Sin could also be things we do with our hands. Sins of the flesh and sins of the spirit. Who will ascend into the hill of the Lord? Who shall stand in his holy place? He that have clean hands and a pure heart. Things we could do with our hands we shouldn't do. And things that we have in our heart we shouldn't have. Like bitterness. And you can sin with your words. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth. And all of these things are covered clearly in the scriptures. And when we sin, we have to admit what we've done is sin or we're never going to recover. Now, it tells us if we confess our sin, he's faithful just to forgive us. Now, confess means to see as another one sees. Now, I hold up a hymn book over here by way of illustration. Everybody tell me what color hymn book you see when I hold this up. What color is this? Let's try that again. Everybody say it at once. Ready? Go. I think I'm hearing some different things. Now, how many of you said red? Okay, how many said burgundy? Now you're getting close. How many said maroon? Did anybody say a different color? Brown. Brown. Who said brown? Now, there is a Uh, I would say a man's man, even though she's a woman. Because men usually say red, brown, black, and orange. Women usually will say mauve, taupe, and periwinkle, okay? Now, um, my question is, is brown the same as red? Is maroon the exact same as burgundy? It's close. Men say yes, women say no. But it's not confessing. Now, confessing is to hold up and see exactly as God sees. Now, you need to hold up your beer. You need to hold up your drug. You need to hold up your tongue. You need to hold up your heart. And you need to see it exactly as God sees it. And You've got to understand it is as bad as God says it is bad, and you've got to feel the weight of that sin. Confess means to see it exactly as God sees it. Now, in this, there are steps to confession. I think there are three parts to it. Number one, you have to admit the guilt. Number two, you have to abandon the sin it says let the wicked forsake his way and the evil man his thoughts and he will have mercy and he will abundantly pardon but you've got to forsake that evil isaiah 16, wash you make you clean put away the evil of you doing from before mine eyes okay so how are you going to get right with god you've got to confess your sin what's that mean you got to admit what you've done is as bad as god says it is it's not okay, it's not you were born this way, it's not everybody does it, so it's not that big of a thing. It is sin that is bad enough that if it wasn't for the blood of Jesus, you'd burn in hell forever for. And you've got to feel the weight of that thing. And then you admit that, but then secondly, you abandon that sin. So you've got to abandon the beer, abandon turn from the lying, try to at least turn from the lying, try to at least have the heart to abandon the cursing and abandon the sin, and that is a part of Bible confession. You admit the sin, you abandon the sin, but then here's an important part that I think a lot of people miss. you got to accept the forgiveness. Now, it says, let him return to the Lord, and he will have mercy. Now, some of you could be here and you're thinking, man, as much as I did and as much as I knew what I did was what it was, there's no way God's going to have mercy on me anymore because I've done this and I've done this and I've done this and I've done this and I've done it and I've done it. God's about fed up. You're right. And do you know what? There can come a time when God will say, that's enough. And the Bible says that he does chasten whom he loves. And if he looks at your heart, Man looks on the outward appearance, God looks on the heart. He looks on your heart and he sees rebellion. God's going to meet that, not as a man. He's going to meet it as God. And when he comes in a fierce judgment, you're in trouble. It's a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. Now, on the other hand, in his judgment, there is mercy. And you know what? Where he comes to judge, he sees your heart and you humble yourself. And I humble myself and I admit my sin, and I abandon my sin, I confess my sin, and here's what God says he'll do. Not judge, he'll have mercy, and he'll abundantly pardon. And how many times we do it? First John 1, 9. If we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to what? Forgive us, and to cleanse us from all righteousness. But what's that word in front of it? Faithful to forgive us. That means he'll do it every time. But you've got to remember this little word that starts that thing. It says, if, if. It's not, well, I'm going to do what I want, and I'm going to go to church, I'm going to walk in a confessional booth, and I'm going to talk to a priest, I'm going to tell him all the sins, and he's going to tell me how many Holy Marys and how many of these things I have to do, and then I can just go out and do it again, and then I can come back and get it right again, and go and do it again, and get it right again. Don't you think God knows your heart is you're a phony? But then don't you think God knows your heart if you're genuine? And God knows if you're weak and he'll build you and he'll help you and you can learn how to be stronger when you get Bible truth, the truth will set you free. But in the meantime, don't give up. If you fall, get back up and you won't get back up until you confess your sin. All right, number one, admit that sin. And see it as God sees it. It's not acceptable. Number two, abandon that sin. And even if you go back into it, but you're sincere that you want to abandon it, question. Can God tell if you are sincere? If God can tell if you're sincere, can God tell if you're not sincere? But if He can tell you're sincere, and if you will admit it before God and sincerely say, I'm ready to I'm ready to be done with this vomit. I'm ready to be done with this muck and mire. I'm ready to finally get on my feet and not go back into this thing over and over and over and over again. God sees that, and he will rise, and he will give you the power that you need, and the instruction you need, and the help that you need, and the encouragement you need, and you can make it, but you've got to have a sincere heart of abandoning that sin. But then, after you admit it, and you can do that tonight, after you abandon it, and you can purpose to do that tonight, then you have to accept the forgiveness so you can get up and get going again. Now, I remember getting things right with God after some failure in my past. And after that, I can remember the devil coming along and say, who are you to be preaching? Remember how you blew up? You big phony. Who are you to be preaching about this? Remember you did that? You big phony, and he beat me down, and he beat me down, and he beat me down, and I can remember that in my 20s, and I think, what in the world, how am I supposed to ever preach when I know that I'm not perfect, and I've had this and that, and one day, I remember the Bible verse hit me, if we confess our sin, he's faithful to forgive me, and to cleanse me from all righteousness, so I'm just going to believe it. So I walked down the aisle, and I got on my knees, and I said, God, I'm not going to get up off on my knees until I am able to really grasp the truth as is written. If I confess it and I abandon it, you will forgive me, and I will be completely right with you. And then I accepted that, and I got up, and I got going again. You know why some people serve God? Because they're afraid that if they serve God, and they don't serve God, God will judge them. Is that a motivator? Yes. Is that an acceptable motivation? Absolutely. You know what the Bible says in the book of Jude for those who are unsaved? Some save with fear, snatching them from the fire. And listen to me, you need to fear God. It's a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. And if if you're not saved, you're on your way to hell, that's a frightening thing. And it's something you should fear. And I also say this. It's totally appropriate for you to be a Christian who is afraid of disobeying God because you know God could chasten you and God can chasten you. Listen, I know it. I have seen it. I know God chastens whom he loves. I think about a friend of mine, Dale, and Dale was not right with God. He graduated from a Christian school. His dad was a deacon in a church that we grew up in. And as soon as he got out of school I never will forget him running away and he wasn't in church anymore and there in his early 20s I can remember hearing about him going to the clubs and getting drunk and so I said Dale what are you doing you graduated from a Christian school you know more Bible verses than most people I said what are you doing I hear you're going to the clubs what are you thinking you're getting drunk and Dale said to me Mike the Bible says there's pleasure in sin for a season, right? I said, yeah, why? He says, I'm just going to live my season. I'll get right with God later. I said, that's dangerous grounds. And you know what? He lived his season. He went to beer party and he got drunk. And then after that, he got into a fight. And afterwards, three young men came to him and said, Uh, After he got in a fight, he got beat up. He lost that fight. He got beat up badly. And so those three young men came to him and said, you want revenge on the guy who beat you up? He said, sure, what do we do? They took him over to the car. In the back of their car, in the trunk, were three rifles. They said, Dale, you get in, and we'll drive over to the house of the guy who beat you up, and you can knock on his door, and when he opens the door, you can say, payday. And we'll pull the rifles out, and we'll blow holes in his house. Dale said, that'll get him so he gets in the car and he drove over true story and he went up to knock on the door and sure enough they got out the rifles and they aimed them at the house this is okay dale go knock on the door true story he goes up to knock on the door and those three young men turned against my friend dale instead of shooting at the house they'd moved them and aimed them at dale's back they were friends of the guy who beat dale up and they had set him up they took him to an abandoned home And then they pulled the trigger hit the target and Dale went down now God was trying to get a hold of Dale you say how do you know it was God here's how I know Dale lived you don't live through three rifle holes in your back unless it's God does that make sense now my preacher went to visit him and said Dale God's trying to get a hold of you Dale, are you ready to get right with God? And I wasn't there, but I was told that Dale laughed in my preacher's face. Now, some of you say, man, if God tried to get a hold of me that way, I wouldn't laugh. Hear me. Some of you, God's been trying to get a hold of for a few more, uh, a few times. And you've been laughing it off so far. And if you keep laughing, God will keep picking up the consequences until he gets your attention and he knows exactly what to do to get your attention. Now some serve God and it's just to serve God because of fear. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And I personally I'd be too afraid to be a hypocrite because I do believe I'd be held accountable for God and I do believe that God wouldn't put up with it. But I also serve God in a major portion because I'm thankful for how much He forgave me of. Now, who's going to serve God more? The one forgiven of little or the one forgiven of lot? And the Bible teaches that the one who loves is the one who is forgiven of a lot. And so listen, if you will admit your sin tonight, not just act like it's no big deal, if you will abandon your sin tonight, if you have sinned, if you will accept the forgiveness Then you can get up and you can go on, and that's what David did. Now, number one, we have a hard time getting up because we, how could I ever have done that? Our character. Number two, deceitful about our conduct. We don't admit what we did is that bad. Listen, lying's still bad, cussing's still bad, porn is still bad, drugs are bad, evil's bad, all that's written in the scripture, drinking's bad, all of this, anger's bad and you never recover until you admit your sin. Then you have to abandon that sin. You never recover when you just say, well, maybe I will, maybe I won't, half in, half out. It's time for you to get up, get your feet planted, and say, I'm done with the vomit. I'm done with the junk. And unless you come to that point, that very sin that you play with is the sin you will pay with all of your life. And so you've got to make a decision. It's time. I've got to get up and get going and get my feet planted and get my head on straight, and I've got to abandon the sin. If David had never abandoned the sin, what would the rest of his life have been? So now, the third reason that people have a hard time getting back up is believing confession is not enough. Now, what I mean by confession is not... um, devaluing confession, devaluing confession. And what I mean by that, I've already kind of preached on, it's the idea, well, I got right with God, but God's not forgiven me. Now, this young man was 20 years old. He came to me and he said, you don't know me. I said, I know you. You've been in a lot of my revival meetings. I know you very well. You've been at camp every time I preach in this camp for the last five years. I said I know you he says no you think you know me but you didn't know I am a preacher's son I said no I guess I didn't know that and then he said but you didn't know that when I was 12 years old I got into sin and I haven't been out of it since then and now he's 20 years old I said what do you mean he said I started smoking at 12 and not long by 14 I was drinking beer and not long after that I was doing drugs and he says, not long after that, I was so addicted to drugs that I was spending $1,200 a week on drugs. And he said, the only way I could support my drug habit was I had to start selling drugs. I said, wow. No, I didn't know this. And then he says, I go to church and I hear preaching and it should beat me up and down, but it doesn't even bother me. He says, I'm so cold, it's like I'm dead on the inside. And he said, I don't want to be this way, what do I do? And I explained to him, if we confess our sin, he's faithful, not occasionally. He's faithful and just to forgive us from all unrighteousness, even the ones that you've been doing since you were 12 years old. And so when it's all done, he decided, I do want to get on my feet. I do want to abandon this, and I do want to save my future and my relationship with God. So he decided to pray and accept forgiveness of sins. Now, he was already a believer. He says he was. I couldn't shake him of that, and I kind of questioned it, but I have to find in the end, go with what a person really believes and let God tell him if he's not. But here's what happened. He got on his knees. He said, Dear God, forgive me of my sin. And he acknowledged his sins to God. And if you confess the sins you know about, God will cleanse you from all unrighteousness. You know what that means? You admit the sins that you have done that you know you've done, and God will forgive even the ones you don't remember you did. And you'll be totally forgiven and totally clean so then when it was done I said how do you feel do you feel like you're right with God now he says no I said well well is there something else you need to get right with God he said "Uh, no I asked God to forgive me of everything I could think of I said then God forgave you because he said he did I said so why don't you feel like you're right with God and he said this I was away from God so long and I was doing such big sin and I knew better, but I still did it, he said, it's going to be a long time before God ever really thinks I'm serious again. I said, now hold on. If you got right with God tonight, sincerely, I said, you're as right with God as evangelist Mike Pelletier. The moment you confess it and are sincere, God's blood cleanses you from all of that sin. And you're as completely right with God as anybody else. I said, now hold your head up high and just love God for it. Who's going to love God more? The one forgiven of a little, the one forgiven of a lot. And he understood. And he, I said, you've got a lot of reason to love God now, don't you? Now, number four, people have a hard time getting back up because they get to where they debate about their future. They debate about their future. Now, here's what I mean by this. Sometimes people fall, and they've fallen in such a terrible way that they think, well, I'll never be able to be ever used by God again. I guess I'm always going to be a second-class Christian. Now, I understand there are certain things that people do that might disqualify them from the ministry. Don't get mad. Don't get mad. It's in the Bible that a preacher is supposed to be the husband of one wife. Don't get mad. It's in the Bible. I didn't write it. You didn't write it but we all love it right and it says in the word of god for one reason or another it says the deacon is supposed to be the husband of one wife too so there might be some things you can't do so what about all the things you can do so why look at the things you can't do look at the things you can do opportunities everywhere to serve the lord and so here's somebody says well I guess I'll just forget living for God because I just have all these consequences and I guess I'll never be used by God again because of what I did. I'll always be a second-class Christian. Yes, there might be consequences, but you can be used by God again in a great way if you get up and get going again. And there's something awesome about being used by God. And your life can still count. Now, I'm going to explain this to you by looking at these scripture verses and see what God says here. David is praying. Let's look at verse 10. He says, create in me a clean heart, O God. Renew a right spirit within me. Have you ever felt your spirit was just not right? You were cocky. Have you ever felt felt your spirit was not right? You just were self-absorbed. How many of you like self-absorbed people? How many of you like people that are just emptied of self and just love everybody else? That's the kind of person I want to be. Now, self-observed person is not a happy person. A person who is selfless is a happy person. But anyway, create in me a clean heart. Renew a right spirit within me. And then, you ever feel distant from God when you sin? Sure you do. Cast me not away from thy presence. Take not thy Holy Spirit from me. And then you lose your joy. As I mentioned last night, backslider says, man, we're having a party. What are we doing? Come on, man. We're going to smoke some weed. I can remember being at that parlor with the teenagers. As I mentioned to you last night, they were talking about smoking weed. And they called it a tea party. And one of them said to the other, you got to come. Some of you were here, some of you were not. And I, I said, you got to come. It's so cool. I said, what do you mean? I didn't say, what do you mean? One guy says, what do you mean? What's going on? He said, we're having a tea party tonight. You know, tea party? And I knew that was marijuana party. That was what they were saying. And as they described it, one of them said to the other, it's so cool. you got to come. Everybody's like out of their mind. Then he said, everybody's like staring at the wall. And then he said, everybody's like throwing up all over the place. It's so cool. And as I mentioned last night, if that's the criteria of a good time staring at the wall been out of your mind thrown up all over the place last time i had the flu i would have been excited and it's not a good time so david says i had adultery so i could have a good time i murdered this person so i could continue in my good time and then he finally realized this is not such a good time, and he says, my bones are waxing old, day and night, the hand is heavy upon me, my moisture is turned to the drought of summer, and he's saying, there's no freshness in life, all I do is feel bad, listen, I saw a guy on the internet last night, he's about 23 years old, he is a friend of one of my dear friends, who is running from God, who is also about 20, well, maybe 25 years old, and the dreadlocks, though I don't think dreadlocks are a sin, I think it's a bad thing for somebody who's following Jesus to be identified with that culture. The dreadlocks and all of the look, he had the hat, he had the glasses, he had the dress, and all of the look of that culture, and he said, every day is a great day and a look on his face like he was the saddest guy in all the world, and he actually was not a happy guy, and he wasn't having a great day at all. And there's something about the devil giving the biggest lie that if you play with sin, you're going to party, and you're going to have a great time, when the fact is the way of transgression is hard, and when you get away from God, first thing you lose is your happiness. And so here's what David said, restore to me the joy of thy salvation. And he's saying, I had it before, but it's gone because of this sin. Give it back to me, God. You know what God did? He He gave it back. Now, then as you continue, we're getting to what this point is all about, that we can be serving God again. We can be serving God again. Now, if you continue in verse 12, restore me the joy of thy salvation, uphold me with thy free spirit. Now, get verse 13, first word. Then, after I get things right with you and you forgive me, I abandon it, I accept the forgiveness. After that, then will I teach transgressors thy ways and sinners shall be converted unto thee. You know what David is saying? Even after adultery and even after murder, when I give my life back to you, my life can count. And do you know that after he gave his life back, he penned Psalm 51 that we read and we benefited from tonight. So can God use a person after big failures? That depends on if the person confesses and returns to the Lord. Let's bow our heads and we'll have a word of prayer.